Five Drive. Catch up. All right, I want to introduce you to someone we met on the show yesterday. You may not have been around, though. Bart Worston is his name. He is someone who is world-renowned as a botanist, despite not having a degree. He was a rock and roll photographer at some point in his life, can you believe it? And this guy was in Gorongosa Park lecturing a whole litter of up-and-coming, aspiring young students. He was awesome. Check him out. For a little bit of background, um, it's true that in your earlier days you were like a, a rock and roll photographer. <laughs> Where did you get that? Yeah, it actually is true. It is true. I've, I've done many crazy things in my life. Not all of them successfully, but... <laughs> But yeah, I started, uh, I, I started out with a normal nine to five job in, in Holland in those days. And I, I wasn't, that wasn't much fun. So then I got to sort of like, not very conspicuously, but I got into, uh, in, into pop music photography. So I, I, for some small, very small obscure magazines, I went to concerts and photographed uh, rock artists and, uh, and uh, sometimes with interviews and stuff like that, I, I was the photographer. Yeah. And uh, and then I uh, made a mistake to try. Well, I, then I was sort of thought like I want to see something of the world, and I made the mistake to come to Africa first because that was it. <laughs> Never saw anything of the world. Got stuck in Africa for the next 35 years. <laughs> and you also because you your your introduction to your academic background that started a bit later in life than it typically would for people. Uh, I. I, I don't have a degree. I, my, my, my only degree is QBE, Qualified by Experience. That's fascinating. Right? So I, I, was, I worked as a safari guide for 10 years in Zimbabwe and Botswana. Uh, I, I got the opportunity to set up a safari for a Dutch company in Zimbabwe and Botswana at the time when nobody else was doing that. And uh, I started running these trips, and I got my I got my professional guide license in in uh, Botswana, and and started doing the guiding myself. And I ran these tours uh, of, of Dutch tourists for about ten years, uh, guiding them. And uh, then I decided to go and do something. Uh, to I bought a place in the Vumba Mountains, which is on the border with Mozambique, and uh, and we, my wife. Now, uh, my girlfriend then, uh, we, we decided to sort of like get that place and build up a little guest house there and uh, have the tourists come to us instead of running around with them. And by the time we had built up that place to the way we wanted it and thought now finally we can start making some money with tourism booming in that area, uh, all hell broke loose in Zimbabwe, of course. <laughs> So that was the end of that. Mm. Uh, we still hang on, hung on to it and still had that place and ran that place until 2008 when during the elections then uh, the place was first taken, of us, taken from us and then when it eventually was given back because it was even at their, uh, at their laws it was illegal mm. to take that because it wasn't a farm and we were foreign investors. But when we got back there was nothing there was nothing left. I mean, the place had been burned down to the ground and our house had been plundered and there was nothing there anymore. So then, then we ended up in Belgium. My wife is Flemish, so we, we got there and she found a job there. A month after we got back to, uh, month after we got back to, uh, to Belgium, the international banking crisis broke out. So 
nobody was waiting to employ a 58-year-old year man uh, with the only credentials being bumming around the bush in Africa. So that was, uh, but luckily my wife found a job and I started sort of volunteering at the Botanical Institute in Macy in Belgium. So we're hanging out with this guy Bart Wurst that we met in Gorongosa Park. All of the young academics that are there from all over the world are incredibly excited about his presence. They're like, no, you don't get it. This is one of the most sought after people ever. He's a genius. He's brilliant. And we're speaking to him only to find out, because you think in the world of academics, right, people just have degrees as long as they are. We found out from Bart that he doesn't have a degree. And that immediately strikes me as really fascinating. So much so that I asked him about it as we continued our conversation. And this is what he had to say. It's, you know, a lot of industries have people that are considered very well um, learned or experts that don't have degrees, you know, like, for example, Paul McCartney can't read music, right? <laughs> but my experience of people who are interested in this kind of thing tend to anchor, anchor it quite heavily in academics. Has it never been something that you've just thought, well, let me, let me just go and get that side of it? Is it not necessary? No, I suppose I'm a lazy person and, if, uh, and I've always, I mean, even when, it, when I do it professionally, like here or, or anywhere else, even when I do it professionally, I still do it for fun. I do it out of passion. I'm 69 now, I'm turning 70 this year. Officially, I'm retired anyway. Uh, and yes, I could probably get a doctorate, but then I would have, I would have deadlines and I would have pressures and I would have this and have that. And like, bugger it. I mean, what is the degree going to give me that I don't already have? And largely, to a large extent, what I already have is fun. I mean, I love what I do and I love what I see and I'm passionate about nature and I get exposed to parts of nature that I would otherwise never get exposed to. I'm running around on these, uh, on these surveys with, with, with world-famous entomologists and zoologists and ornithologists and they can give me what I could never get otherwise. And plant-wise, I can give back what I have and I think I have enough experience, especially here in, in tropical Africa, that I can, I can do the jobs that they ask me to do. So, and and it's, fun to, it's fun to do it. I can choose what I want to do and when I want to do it and if I want to do it. Right, Bart Wurston is the guy we're hanging out with. He's like a global expert. I bet there, there are a bunch of you know, botany and herbology uh, people that are listening to the show freaking out right now. But the point is, this guy is deeply passionate about what he does and a hell of a cool guy. And he's based out in Gorongosa, which we visited on the Africa tour. And he doesn't have a degree. He's kind of found his way and place in life just through passion and dedication, which is super cool. I also asked him the question of, you know, because it had been explained to us many times to say that, when the war happened in Gorongosa, park built in the 60s, 15 years or so later, this massive war breaks out. When that happens, it had been explained to us that the place was devastated. The animals were killed and driven away and the, uh, the flora and fauna was radically disrupted. But we hadn't really had the opportunity yet to have someone from his perspective explain it to us and I wanted to know and you might find this interesting so I put the question to him. We've heard so much about the history of Gorongosa and largely from the perspective of people and animals in terms of what mm -hmm. the conflict did to the space yeah. but also you know nothing happens without consequence of everything else right what in broadly speaking what was the what happened to to the natural world here as a consequence of war? 
As a consequence of war, well, two major things happened. First of all, uh, the, the, the larger biodiversity, uh, like the animals, were all wiped out, basically. They were all eaten. People had no choice in some cases. In other cases, uh, the army needed to be fed. And when it was the rebel army that took over, they needed to be fed. And they sold off the ivory to make money, and they did that. So most larger mammals were gone. This was one of the richest parks in, in wildlife uh, before the war started in the 60s and, and, and until the early 70s. This was what's one of the parks with the highest concentration of grazing animals and therefore also the highest concentration of, of predators uh, of almost any park in Africa because of the unique ecosystem that, that basically maintains itself. I mean, the fluctuation of Lake Urema and the flooding of the floodplains makes it able for so many animals, such higher concentrations of animals to get their food and, and to live here permanently. They don't have to migrate, or rarely, just a little bit within the park area. Uh, they don't have to migrate. And in all other parks, look at all the other major parks in Southern Africa. Look at Kruger, look at Wange, look at Etosha, uh, even parts of Chobe, they all have they all have water holes and dams and they have artificial means to make sure the animals survive because traditional migration routes uh, in the dry season have all been blocked off because around these parks it's people 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 everywhere so they can't migrate these migration routes are not there anymore and one of the great great uh, exceptions and one of the great aspects of, of this park is is that it doesn't need that because every year the water comes by itself and recedes again and just brings free these phenomenal amounts of grazing matter that uh, that most of the animals can happily survive on until the next rainy season. Catch up from some of the best moments from the 5 Drive team by going to 5FM's catch up page on the 5FM app or 5FM.co.za.